We pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Friends of Christ, you're late. A day late. Never mind the dollar short business. Both our Old Testament reading and our Gospel lesson this morning are about Sabbath observance, and yesterday was the seventh day of the week, the seventh of the Bible. And not a soul was here. I'm guessing because I wasn't here either. There are a number of reasons Christians don't observe the seventh day Sabbath. First and foremost, though, is that Sunday is the day of resurrection. In the power of resurrection, we have come to praise the Lord, we sang in our sermon hymn. It's the day that Jesus rose from the grave, the guarantee that we too will rise at the last. That was the message this Friday as we said goodbye to our sister Claire in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. In creation language, it's the eighth day of creation. It's the first day of God's new creation in Christ, and so many modern fonts are built eight-sided, reflecting that fact. For the early church, it was a sign of separation. For those who often worshipped in the same place, used the same Old Testament text, and sang the same songs as their Jewish neighbors, not keeping the Sabbath on Saturday set them apart. And then there's Paul to the church at Colossae. Therefore, he writes, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Philip Melanchthon made extensive use. He quoted that text, I think, six or seven times in the Augsburg Confession and then the Apology. And then there's Luther who writes, Therefore, Moses' legislation about images and the Sabbath, and whatever else goes beyond the natural law, since it's not supported by the natural law, is free, null and void. It is specifically given to the Jewish people alone. I start here because of the inner Pharisee within each of us. I wonder how many of you saw yourselves in the Pharisees in the Gospel lesson? Look! Why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? Look, why are they driving in the right-hand lane? Don't they all know we have to merge to the left before we get the Rosenbergs? Stop cutting in line. Who died and made you king? That's born into each of us, this innate sense of justice. Give one child in a group a treat. Where's mine? How come she got one and I didn't? I was surprised I got away with letting Zoe take my Memorial Day pinwheel last Sunday without enough uproar. Perhaps because she's the smallest, she gets special dispensation. But Luther says, hang it up with regard to the Sabbath. It's null and void, and so does Jesus. The Sabbath was made for man, he says, not man for the Sabbath. God's law is not intended to make life unbearable. Or as James Vells puts it, God does not sweat the small stuff when it comes to food acquisition, at least. Consider the reason for the Sabbath given in our Old Testament reason. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. I gave you the opportunity to rest that you did not have. I removed your Egyptian taskmasters, your quota of bricks, and your endless toil. The reason for the Sabbath is pure gospel. 
Yahweh's mighty arm and an outstretched hand. Stand back and see my salvation, he says. Slavery of Israel in Egypt, though, was an Old Testament type on many fronts, but especially our greater sin, our greater slavery to sin. Christ released us from that slavery at the cost of his own bitter agony and death on the cross. And then there was his Sabbath rest in the tomb, arguably the final valid Old Testament Sabbath. Followed by his glorious resurrection on the eighth day, you are free, is declared from the open tomb. Everyone who's been baptized into that death, old and young alike, foolish and wise, the developmentally disabled and the doctor of philosophy, individually they come out of the water washed in the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now collectively we stand as the bride of Christ, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So that, Paul writes in our epistle lesson, the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So where, where does that leave our inner Pharisee? Well, silenced and thankful. The confrontation in the gospel reading drives home the point. It's not about regulation, but relationship. The relationship between man and the created order. Consider the other place in the Old Testament where the third commandment is laid out. It's in Exodus chapter 20, and a different reason is given for the Sabbath. After the injunction to do no work, we read, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In fact, God is saying, Stop and look. Stop. That's what the word Sabbath in Hebrew actually means. Stop and consider the relationship, your relationship between the Creator and you, the creature, and those creatures that surround you. The stewardship role that was first given to Adam and then also to Eve has not been annulled. Both stewards and their steward charge were cursed. Sure enough, a brokenness was introduced, but the responsibility remains and the opportunity remains. The Sabbath rest in Exodus gives opportunity to consider again the purpose of our labor. It's part of a much larger created order in which we have a role to care for one another. The Sabbath rest is the death of the inner Narcissus in each of us. You recall the Greek myth of the young hunter who became infatuated with his own reflection in a pool of water. Not realizing it was a mere reflection, he fell in love. And unable to leave the beauty of his own reflection, Narcissus lost his will to live and stared until he died. When I cease to be the measure of all things, when I stop staring, my life in service to God's creation becomes impossible. Becomes possible. That's the thrust of Jesus' illustration citing David and the high priest Abiathar. Abiathar knew the law, but he could also assess the situation in front of him. David and his men were in need. They were fleeing the wrath of Saul, and they had no means to make provisions. So he gave them the bread of the presence. Now, the magnitudes of David's violation was certainly greater than that of the disciples. The twelve simply transgressed an interpretation of man, but David, an ordinance of God. Yet Scripture themselves do not condemn David. The Sabbath rest can put to death the me-first mentality of our age. 
the I want my rights of the inner Pharisee, and also our haste to judge others who step over the boundaries we would see enforced. Does that make us antinomians? There's a $5 word for you. It means without or opposed to the rule of law? No. And about, what about the outrageous statement from Luther that the Ten Commandments are null and void? Well, in his discussion of the Third Commandment in the Large Catechism, immediately after stating their lack of authority, he writes, But to give a Christian interpretation to the simple people of what God requires of us in this commandment, we observe them first because our bodies need them. That was the reason in Deuteronomy 5, right? That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Second and most important, Luther goes on, we observe them so that people will have time and opportunity on such days of rest, which otherwise would not be available to attend worship services. That is, so that they may assemble to hear and discuss God's word, and then to offer praise, song, and prayer to God. Close quote. That's the reason given in Exodus chapter 20, right? True worship edifies. It meets the spiritual, psychological, emotional needs of the people. It equips us to love our neighbor as we have been loved. The Sabbath was meant to be a blessing. It's a sign of our age that we've spent the better part of 10 minutes wrestling with the directions. On it you shall do not work. You or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, your female servant, your ox, or your donkey, or any of their beasts, Right? Or the sojourner is within your gates. And not a moment's thought to the commandment itself. What did God ask anyway? Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what does that mean, to keep it holy? Well, the simplest definition is to set it apart for divine use. Devote it to holy words, holy works, holy living. About this day, the eighth day, which we honor by convention, it could be any day of the week, but to maintain good order for most of Christendom, it's Sunday, we come together to praise and pray and give thanks. But first, and this is the most important, we come to receive God's Sabbath blessing. Grace and mercy from the cross and open tomb to heal the wounds of our daily lives in a broken world. Delivered in words of grace, I forgive you. Delivered in bread and wine, his body and blood given and shed for you. The power of this day is not in the resting, but in the hallowing, so that this day may yield its blessings. For God gives us his Sabbath blessing today and every day. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.